The Inca children crowded around their elder, who pointed towards an island. The place of seagulls, an island of monsters, demons, and evil spirits. Never go there. The island was Chiloé, home of the 1880 Brujo War. And this is Legends from the Pacific. Aloha, and thank you for joining us. This is Legends from the Pacific, episode 129, the 1880 Brujo War. I am Kamuela Kaneshiro, a native Hawaiian professional writer, speaker, and Comic-Con panelist with extensive film and television experience. I study mythology, I've encountered unusual things, and I am a geek. A big mahalo nui loa to all of you who purchased our Legends from the Pacific book one and left a rating. I look forward to giving you a shout out for your review. Just click the link in our show notes and purchase our Legends from the Pacific Book One today. Later in this episode, your featured song in Hawaiian word. But first, let me share with you how Chiloe's Brujos rose to power. As usual, I apologize for any mispronounced names or words and appreciate your understanding. Okay, we're going to cover a lot of ground, and much of this has been detailed in news reports, official documents, the Smithsonian, and famed British travel writer Charles Bruce Chatwin, who was known as Bruce Chatwin. Chatwin learned of the Brujo and wrote about them in the 1970s, many decades after the 1880s. As our opening story illustrated, the Incas referred to Chiloe as the place of seagulls and avoided going there because they believed it marked the end of the world and the island was filled with demons, monsters, and evil spirits. As time passed, Chiloé was favored by pirates. People and Brujo already occupied Chiloé when Spanish explorers and Christianity made their way there. So around 1787, a Spanish navigator skilled in the dark arts came ashore and was shown to a local witch. The two had a magic duel, and the navigator gave a black book of European magic to the witch. This black book strengthened the Brujo's magic, and their numbers increased. To become a Brujo, one had to sit beneath a cold waterfall for 15 nights, which unbaptized people, kill someone which may have been a loved one on a Tuesday night, and run around the island three times while calling for the devil. Individuals may have also needed to sleep in a cemetery, but when they became a brujo, they were shown the black magic book and a bowl which showed the future. Then they had a feast of human meat. Good times. Brujos had a lizard, which they wore against their head with a bandana. The lizards gave them deeper knowledge, an ability to unlock doors, and shape-shifting. The brujos also made a vest called a makun from the skin of a human who may have been a virgin, a Christian, woman, or loved one. The makun provided light for the brujo, which came from the deceased human's oils. The brujo also used human oils to fuel their lanterns and bathe their umbunche. Going back to their morbid vests, it also granted them flight. 
Witnesses say they'd seen the blue hole flying between the islands at night. The vest may have also granted shape-shifting, which may have been a redundancy for their lizard, because while brujos could become animals, they favored birds. And, at least for me, if I'm shifting into a bird, I'd like a backup in case something happens in mid-flight. So, what may have been created to combat Christianity and colonization, the brujos created a parallel society. Their island was divided into districts, and named after places like Lima, Buenos Aires, and Santiago. Running the districts were brujo who were granted the rank of king, queen, and viceroy. The lowest level was called repairman. This parallel shadow government was called la recta provincia, which loosely translates to the righteous province. It should be noted, some called them the mayoria, or the majority. But research suggests this could have been what brujo elders were called. Their rituals were held in caves, which possibly allowed them to traverse the island. I found this plausible since Hawaii's lava tunnels allowed various tribes to declare war and relay messages to those on the other side of the island. Now, according to Bruce Chatwin, around this time, an individual was told to feed some creatures in a hidden cave. The individual took goat meat and encountered two creatures, this person claimed one of which was the Imbunche. Brujos extorted farmers, poisoned enemies, and residents say the warlock's primary income came from importing contraband items via the phantom ship El Caleuche. It is here that some speculated the Brujos were actually drug dealers, pretending to be warlocks to scare residents. This also fits with merchants becoming rich from the phantom ship since they may have been getting drug money. So, Brujo extorted, smuggled, and murdered for over 30 years until around 1880, the four-year war in the Pacific involving nearby countries, causing officials to step in and Mayor Luis Martiniano Rodriguez Herrera to create a special jail and with his army go to war against the Brujo. Warlocks were captured and, interestingly enough, confessed their dislike to how their organization went downhill. Things like petty vendettas, killings, internal bickering, the disappearance of one of their kings, and the assassination of his wife rotted their order. Authorities learned a lot from torturing Brujo. One, referred to as Zappa, was bound to a rock, visible during low tide. Zappa would be drowned as the tide came in, but he broke his bindings and levitated. The army shot him down and buried his remains in a cemetery. A large boulder was placed over his remains to prevent others from exhuming him. By 1882, many captured brujos were found guilty of murder and racketeering instead of witchcraft, since witchcraft was difficult to prove. It should be noted, the hidden cave with the imbunche was never found. Also, the trial's original transcripts vanished from the island's archives, but copies were maintained and preserved off-island, and the brujo activity stopped. Today, signs throughout Chiloé share its morbid brujo history. Some criticize the island as doing this to attract tourists, but I feel you can't really deny the island's history, and modern stories were easy to discover. One story involved two football, or soccer, fans having a disagreement. One of the men walked home. While it is believed he was sober, he became lost 
and finally found his house moments before sunrise. They say the other person was a brujo, or went to one, to curse the homeward-bound man. Other stories involve an animal, like a troublesome cat, which is injured by a person, and a day later, the individual is called by their elderly neighbor, who exhibits similar wounds, apologizes to the person before passing from their injuries. Then, there is the 2023 film Sorcery by Christopher Murray. Murray was inspired by these events and went to Chiloé for research. He claimed many were hesitant to talk to him about Brujo, and he had to reevaluate his original plans of casting locals for sorcery when they started backing out. When Murray recorded someone willing to talk about the Brujo, his camera stopped and the footage was erased. I encountered similar camera issues with different devices during a couple of investigations, but that's a story for another time. So, what'd we learn? Well, I feel the brujo are still out there. Not so much drug dealers pretending to be brujo since this was the 1800s, though it's interesting to consider. There are also a lot of similar elements in this episode and our other episodes about the Aswang and Skinwalkers, which are connections I always enjoy seeing. But I've always doubted the brujo would vanish so quickly. They just got better at hiding. And while the island of Chiloé may be leaning into their morbid brujo past, that doesn't discount the fact that something happened. Residents said more artificial light or electricity reduces brujo sightings. And a bridge connecting Chiloé to South America has been discussed for many years. So, if a completed bridge allows Chiloé quicker modernization, would this be the thing that destroy the brujo? If you like what you heard, please give us a rating and write a review. I'd really appreciate it. If you'd like to support our show, please click the link in our show notes and become a Legends from the Pacific Patreon member. As always, a big mahalo nuilo to our Patreon members. Christopher, Meg, Jessica Bullock, Edward Pueohenke, Felisa H., The Makuli Guy, and of course, Ren Shepard. Your support keeps our show going. Well, I had a very busy week. Mahalo to you who emailed me asking if I planned the Heath Ledger connection in our last episode. If you didn't notice, I quoted Heath Ledger's Joker, and our featured song was Can't Take My Eyes Off You, which was featured in the film 10 Things I Hate About You, which is considered a breakthrough role of Heath Ledger. Well, yes, I did plan that. Thank you for noticing. I normally add little connections or Easter eggs to our episodes for my amusement, and our astute listeners. Perhaps one day I'll make a list of all of them, but again, I'm glad you enjoy them. Our theme song is Mystery by Tavana, courtesy of High Sessions. Sound effects were by Sound Effects Factory. Our music coordinator is Matt Duffy, a.k.a. DJ Triple Bypass. Links and show notes can be found on our website, legendsfromthepacific.com, including a link to your featured song, which is Lights by Brittany Paiva. Courtesy of High Sessions. Legends from the Pacific was written, produced, and edited by me, Kamuela Kanashiro. I also wrote our original stories. Your featured Hawaiian word is kahuna po oko'i. Kahuna po oko'i means evil sorcerer. An example of kahuna po oko'i is many consider Voldemort the ultimate. Kahuna po oko'i. Once again, Kahuna Po Oko'i is Hawaiian for evil sorcerer. Thank you once again for listening. Mahalo and a hui ho!